0: You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize.
1: They'd eventually find me attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. And thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal, Sanders. I'm your good buddy, live. And if you are keeping score at home, this is episode 128, the recovery edition. Mm. I assume you are in full recovery mode, my friend. Well, at this point, it's kind of past, but it took me a while. <laughs> so mardi gras we're a week we're a week out mardi gras was yeah, last it was tuesday last tuesday yeah was the.
2: <laughs> but it pretty much ended for me on sunday night for the most part oh really yeah i mean i I went to zulu on tuesday morning but i didn't booze or anything And monday night i went to a movie but i mean before that dude it was, it was exhausting it was, it was non-stop know? it was non-stop right Yeah, I mean, BP came in town, what was that, two Fridays ago? He came in town 17th. I picked him up at, like, 1230 in the morning that night. Um, But from that point on, like, we didn't do anything that night because he was sick and it was late, so we just went and got something to eat. But from next morning onward, you know, we pretty much went balls to the wall Saturday and Sunday. Then I took off of work Monday, which was good because I was dying from basically gone strong for 48 hours.
1: How does, how does, uh, how did he, how does he handle that? Not to tell tales out of school, but like, what's his, uh, you know, what's his endurance, his stamina, like what's that? What What's his stamina, like,
2: uh, it's pretty good, I guess. I mean, um, we had a dispute on the saturday night you know uh about him wanting to go home it was a stupid debate you know because we only had one set of keys and i was like well i want to stay you can go home whenever and kept going back and forth all night long like this stupid pissing contest (laughs) you know even though he really wanted to go home you know but he really didn't want to deal with the thing with the whole issue i was like all right, that's fine. You just got to be able to leave the keys outside the door for me somewhere, but you didn't want to deal with that. You know, I mean, I don't really want to get too much into it because it was kind of stupid. But uh. yeah.
0: all right, all
1: right. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I mean, technically, technically, <laughs> you better didn't have. What's that? I said, technically, you didn't have to get it into the get into it in the first place. Yeah. but... <laughs>
2: some people look better in this argument than others, depending on your
1: point of view. <laughs> well, right, especially when it's told by you. <laughs>
2: yeah, like it was like, a long story short, we didn't get home to like quarter to five. Um, but it's, oh, that was a fucking mess. See, we were at one place. Where the hell were we? Well, that was, okay, this is what happened. Uh, might as well tell this story. So Brian came in, you know, on Friday night. You know, he wasn't feeling well, but the next, but I had all this shit planned anyway. You know, I was like, we we got to do a ball to the wall. I was like, hey, he's never really here for any extended amount of time. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Even the law. You know, the last time he came here was with Carla when I graduated law school. They were here for like four days or something. It's not a lot of time to do a lot of stuff. You know?
1: Right. Right. You're definitely not getting to the top of the quarter.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I read something. The other day that talked about the edge of the quarter. (laughs) They were talking about the initial edge of the quarter where you first hit it. And I was, it was, it was something from something I was reading that I saw on Facebook. Somebody shared from the, it was the uh, Tulane admissions department or something explaining Mardi Gras to outsiders. (laughs) And I, you know, most of them in there near the edge of the quarter.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) I'll consider that a victory.
2: Yeah, Yeah, there was no top of the quarter, no to the east of the quarter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was just looking for something. It didn't have to be mine. I was just helping fill a void. That that is good enough for me. The fact that that exists.
2: They called the edge. I, I said the edge. You remember?
1: You did reluctantly.
2: No, I say, I was like, no one describes it as that. You say maybe the edge of the quarter. You don't say, you know, I mean, like where I say port of call, you always say it's the edge of the quarter. Cause that's the divided line okay. right there. All right. Hey, listen, you know?
1: man, whatever you got to tell yourself, whatever you got to <laughs> tell yourself. That's No, that's...
2: I told you that straight up. You're the one that <laughs> wants to call that the uh, bottom quadrant. shit. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, okay.
2: uh, no, when I said so it, well, I was like, ha yeah.
1: Right, right, okay But I didn't
2: want to share with you because I didn't want to rub it in Yeah, You know, I was like, no one's referring this to the
1: top Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I live in a universe where we both can be winners on this topic Because clearly I am Clearly I am, I clearly I am. And the fact that you've convinced yourself that you are also a winner, and this makes me feel good because I you deserve that. When
2: we had the conversation, I said you called the edge of the quarter. No one calls it. You were you were trying to find geographic terminology for it, like cardinal geography.
1: <laughs> I um, I'm not sure. No what...
2: ever referred to it as the top of top of the quarter. Would be like a restaurant in a on a building. <laughs> uh, um I don't know in what fact, this. There used to be a restaurant down at the World Trade Center, which was called the Trademark Building, and it was called Top of the Mart. That's what Top is. Top's like a restaurant at the top of a building.
1: <laughs> um, I'm not sure what this speaks more to is your absolute delight in disproving others or <laughs> your absolutely poor listening comprehension skills. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> My poor listening comprehension skills? Yours. How
2: are my poor? How are mine poor? I was the one that said edge. You were the one that said top of the quarter.
1: (laughs) Oh, we're going to have to replay it back. We're going to have to replay it back. That's all there is to it. I said you would call that the
2: edge of the quarter? You know, whatever.
1: All right. right.
2: right. I don't know. There might be some place for top of the quarter, but, you know. Maybe it's Rampart Street. I don't know. You okay. have to go talk to some old timers. Probably some guy. Oh, that's the top of the quarter. You know, you never know.
1: All right. Very uh, good. Very good. So you guys are you guys are out and about on Saturday. <laughs> that's where you get it going. Finally.
2: Yeah. Well. So uh originally I was like, well, we'll do this. We'll we were gonna head. You know, he'd never see a mario Gras parade, so. There were a couple of parades that day during the day. The first weekend of Mardi Gras were very very tame, which is why that's the weekend they did the all star game here, you know, which is why they were able to do it. A they want to prove they could do something big during during Mardi Gras.
1: Yeah. Now wait a minute. You had gone to a to a parade already. That was the previous yeah, that was weekend. That was the weekend before.
2: Yeah, that was Crew de Vue. That's a totally different type of animal. You know, it's like the official... It's not the official, because the official kickoff is January 6th. Right. um,
1: It's the unofficial.
2: Yeah, it's the unofficial. It's a totally different animal. You know, it's not one of these big float parades where, you know, families are all out. It's a thing that goes exclusively through, like, downtown the
1: quarter, you know? But is there anything that goes on between crew and, de and by the time BP gets into town? Like, has he? Yet, could, could you have caught something else or not really?
2: Uh, if he would come in earlier on Friday, we could have, but it would have been shitty anyway because even though parades rolled, it was cold and rainy on Friday night. It
1: sucked. Okay. So people, the 13th, the 14th, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, leading up to BP's visit, it's just people are working. There's, you know. Yeah. N- it's th- nothing crazy. Nothing's like, going
2: on. Like, my whole life, it's always been – uh, two Fridays before
1: has always been, basically, okay. stuff starts rolling. Got it. So yeah. so Saturday, you guys are out and about.
2: So, but my sister wanted us to go to her restaurant first, so we, so we did that. You know, we didn't get up and roll. Like, got up in the morning. Uh, I don't know what time. We took the dog, you know, just so you could see the area and stuff. We took Bluto on his standard walk which is about takes about an hour you know we walked down we did not see Malky unfortunately <laughs> um even though we went that way I showed him that that's where I saw John Malkovich right right you know and um you know got back to the house and then finally we made it maybe around 12:30 or so we made it to parkway where my sister works cuz she really wants to go there which and it's a good place to go anyway like it's a um it's a good New Orleans place, you know. It was good enough for Obama to go eat there when he was president.
0: Um, <laughs> so uh, where's, it,
2: where's it located? In Mid-City, uh, Bayou St. John area. Okay. I believe the address might be like 538 Hagen Ave. I don't know. I'm sure you're Googling it right now. I am, but, but,
1: but Mid-City is good enough.
2: Yeah. Um, so we went there. You know, we hit... We split a couple of po'boys, fried shrimp and a roast beef so you could get the best of both worlds, basically, you know, because they're known for their roast beef and fried shrimp po'boys, a great thing. And some gumbo and a couple Bloody Marys hung out, ate there. Then I was like, well, let's go check out this other uh, bar that's like walking distance from there. I was like, it's a cool place the Bayou beer garden. I was like, we can just walk over there, and have a beer. And so we went over there and had one beer cuz they got this cool outdoor area. You know, and then and then we went and drove down to uh way down not far from actually where my office is uh because I have a friend that lives near there who who uh was watching the parades out there. I was like we will know people out there, we can see get a taste of Mardi Gras. So I went there and then the plan was to go from there to Rocky and Carlos, which is in St. Bernard Parish, which is, uh, you know, adjacent to New Orleans further down. Um, but I was like, I was like, let's go to that place. And we telling people, they're like, you're going to do that too, you know? And, um, and we still had plans on going to the slam dunk contest and everything that night, you know? And... Fat Pat got us tickets to both things, and he's like, Tickets for both things are at will call, you know? Right. Well, we go to, you know, we'd been drinking all day and eating, and we were at Rocky and Carlos, and we left there. We got home to my house around six something, you know? And um, I, mean, I, looked, I didn't look at the strict schedule, but we looked at the schedule for uh, the slam dunk contest. I guess coverage on TV must have started at eight that night or something. Okay. But, you know, realistically, we should have got home and just start showering, you know, and got moving. Uh, but we get home and um, Brian's like, well, I'm going to go uh, drink a water and hang out on your deck, you know. And I'm like, all right, because well, the weather was awesome all weekend, you know. Yeah. Like after Friday night, you know, once I picked them up, the weather was great all weekend. You know, it's. Been really damn good for like the last two weeks, basically, you know. And, and he like, starts to
1: feel better. Like Saturday, he's all right. But he's... Yeah, he
2: was taking,
1: you know, taking
2: medicine and stuff, you know. Okay. To uh, kind of keep him gone, but it's you know you're on vacation. Just you gotta just gotta suck it up, you know.
1: Yeah, adrenaline starts pumping, and yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, but I, at that point, I was like, well, I'm gonna make myself a bloody mary then, you know, instead of hopping in the shower. <laughs> so I go out in a deck, and then we start having a deep conversation that probably lasts for forty minutes. And I go take a shower, and he drinks a beer or whatever, and he takes a shower. Well, we get the Uber, and it's like eight o'clock when we call the Uber. Uh, oh. You know, and it gets us down to the dome, uh, the dome arena complex. You know, and the will call was actually at one of the dome box offices for whatever reason. Okay. You know, I guess they just have it set up for security purposes, you know. Makes sense. As it, so it's not in the typical will call area for the arena. Yeah. Well, as we're walking up, it's like eight thirty, eight thirty-one. You know, as we're walking up to the fucking window, the motherfucker closes the blind on us. Ah. You know, we're banging on there and there's another guy there and he and we were just basically screwed, ran around. We're like and they they just ignored us. And you know, they're like, ain't nothing we can, and we went around the stadium, see if there's anything, and you know, they're like, nothing we can do for you. Duff is like, uh, Duff's like, you idiots, blah, 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 texting back and forth. I get in touch with Fat Pat finally, and he's like, sorry, man. You know, and, and while all this is going on, Slam Dunk Contest, you know, they got on a huge screen outside the Superdome, you know, like in the little, um, this pregame party area, you know. And and it's just starting. And I was like, oh, well. I mean, Brian was bummed because, you know, he's never seen a slam dunk contest. And he was like, I wanted to see the venue, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, that sucks, you know. So I was like, I was like let's just go to this other bar. So we went to this other bar down in the uh, warehouse district area that's owned by a kid I went to high school with. And eventually, you know, eventually those dudes came back. Uh, I like eventually, uh, fat Pat showed up there and joined us and Duff and all his workmates showed up there, you know, later on. And then, then we went to this other bar, it was around one o'clock and they're like, well, let's go somewhere else. I was like, well, let's go to this bar and it's in this hotel. It was where I was the night I was at my friend's wedding. Although I really don't remember much, but I remember they had this awesome rooftop bar it's called tin roof, like cat on a hot tin roof, you know. Okay. Uh. So, and tonight I was at that wedding. The only other time I was there, you know, you couldn't even see anything because it was so foggy that night. But we go there, and I, and obviously the pressures on me because you're with friggin' Duff and those guys and everything with Duff. We gotta be broads there. Gotta, you know.
1: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: right, and they're all.
1: They're all apparel Which, salesmen, so they're all animals to begin with.
2: Yes, yes. And it's like, it's all these dudes and this one girl that hangs out with them that's also in the business, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and this guy that works for the Celtics, who's buddies with Duff, obviously, you know, from his Celtics connection and his continuing connections and stuff, you know? Right. So it's all Adidas Reebok people and this guy. and um. Uh, we get down there and the place closes it too, so no one's even in there at this point except for like a group of Asian girls. There was a large group of Asian girls in there, but but fortunately the view was so beautiful, like you could see the whole damn city from up there, that like that removed any issue they that they had with it. You know, right? Like, oh, this is cool. You know, I was like, oh,
1: thank God, because you gave them something <laughs> new. You gave them something they'd never had yeah. before.
2: Yeah, so we were up there, and we were up there to, like, two. when they close, but obviously they don't kick you out right when they close, you know? So we are hanging out, and and Fat Pat's like, well, I'm going to go meet people down at Pat O'Brien's in the quarter, where I didn't really want to go, you know, because no one really wants to go in the quarter. Right. But I did want to, because I don't get out much, and Brian had been asking to go home for so long, and I'm like, you can go home, you can have my keys, You know, but he really didn't want to deal with that bullshit with the keys, you know? Yeah. So then he's like, so he, so fat Pat, Brian, I go and we get a cab or whatever. And we go to Pat O'Brien's and we're in there hanging out and, um, and Brian, you know, he didn't really want to be there. Uh (sighs) But but we're still hanging out. I'm like, you can leave whenever you want. He's like, No And I was talking to some girl, Brian comes over and he disrupts that and she walks off. <laughs> you know? And I was like, Oh, all right, well whatever, you know. It, it, he's like, Well I'm not gonna go he was really trying to get me to go home. You know, because right. he just didn't want to deal with the issue with going home on his own, and he didn't. He just didn't really want. He told me that he didn't feel like dealing with the aggravation of having to put the key under the mat and all this shit. <laughs> Even though hours before he said he would do that, you know. Okay. Um, because obviously he was, he was ready to go home hours earlier. You know, like a couple hours earlier. You know, and then, and then later on. After all this goes on, uh, I'm down at the bar and I'm talking to some other girl and I'm just, am really getting along with this girl. And then I, I get a call from Brian and I, and I don't, you know, I'm like, ah, fuck it. And then there's a call from Fat Pat right after. I'm like, what the fuck? Something must be going on, you know, <laughs> cause it's two back to back phone calls from him. Right, I pick, I'm like, what's going on? They're like, where are you? I'm like, I'm down at the bar. And then I go up in there. Literally, they were like 20 feet away from me up in this other patio area. And that time the girl's gone and all that. And I was like, oh, thanks. You did it again. <laughs> like the second broad he interrupted me with, you know, but eventually we decide to, we just like, well, let's get the fuck out of here at that point. You know? And, um, see, because he's doing shit that married guys do, you know? Which is what? Cock block. Married guys forget about all that shit, you know? <laughs> you know wait, what I'm saying? Wait, do you think he was doing it on purpose? No, like, no. He just did it because married guys just forget about that shit, you know? OK, that's why I'm not saying it. that's why I know it's not on purpose. Like they just don't think about that shit anymore. You know, I mean, Brian's been in a monogamous relationship for almost 20 fucking years
1: at this point, you know? So so you're he's just forgetting. So he's he, he's forgetting he's the, just desperate to go
2: home, you know, but it's right. not he, he wasn't doing anything out of ill will. He, you know, It's just that it, it's just that he was feeling like, should he want to go home? And yeah, we probably should have gone home. You know. Okay. All right. So it's not like. I mean, I wasn't going home with either one of these fucking broads anyway, but whatever. It was just funny at the time. Okay. So so anyway, we get out and whatever. We have to walk through the gauntlet, which is why I didn't really want to go to the quarter because we had to walk all the way to Canal Street, down Bourbon Street. And it was just a fucking, uh, it was an ugly scene down there, you know.
1: Like. Yeah, because it's all star game. It's Mardi Gras.
2: Yeah, four thirty in the morning. That scene—it's just the dregs of society at that point, you know.
1: Right, right, right. right. And as um, they say, nothing good happens after two a.m.
2: Yes. So, um. So we get down there and we try to get a friggin' Uber. That never comes. We walk on a little further and we call an Uber. Brian calls an Uber this time, I think, and this other woman shows up. And for whatever reason, we guess that's the Uber, you know, we get in and she's like, Oh, we need to get clean cash. We're like, What are you talking about? We have cash. You know? For one, it was an Uber, it wouldn't need cash, you know? And she pulls up to this convenience store, you know, right there, and we're like, What? What the fuck? And I'm in the f I'm in the back seat and Brian's in the front, I believe it was. Okay. You know? And um whatever I don't know if I was in whatever it was. I was in one seat, he was in the other, you know. And um she's like, No, go in there and get clean cash. We're like, No, no, no. This is sketchy. And we're like, we're getting the fuck out of here, and I'm trying to open my door, and my door won't open from the inside. And I'm like, Oh fuck, we're getting set up.
1: <laughs> You're you child know? locked. unlocked.
2: <laughs> yeah, like I'm like, we're getting set up for a fucking to be robbed. You know, but Brian's able to get out of his, so he opens the door for me. Okay. You know, so it's just but they she was trying to set us up. What I guarantee you it was, uh, is you know, I know that place had one of those little private ATM machines in that convenience store she wanted us to go into, and I bet you it had one of those scanner things on the machine.
1: Okay, yeah. That yeah, was yeah.
2: probably going to steal our information and okay. then freaking clone the co- – I. the reason I'm saying that because the market that it was at is the same one – Um, like a few months back last year, and it only came to light a couple of months ago. Friggin' um, Jared, who I work with, his credit card information was stolen. And the first place where there's a record of is this place called Brothers Market. Well, this is one of the Brothers Markets.
0: Got it. You know? Got it. And
2: then then it was all these charges all over. And what they did was they cloned the card, and they were gone all over the fucking place. You know, to the mall... Gas stations constantly, and um, since they're, since he's a little absent minded, it took him a while to notice that all this shit was stolen. You know, right, right. So i right. so I have a feeling that's probably what it was. They probably have a scanner on that machine or something. You know, because they do that at gas stations too. You know, it's a common scam. They put they put a device on the card reader at gas stations, and you put it 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 goes right over the actual card reader. You know.
1: Yeah, well not in Jersey.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in Jersey. <laughs> not in Jersey. But wherever you use a card in Jersey, that's where it would do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that's what it was. We got and eventually we got a cab and we got home. But so that wait, was fucking
1: nuts. The woman who picked you up, she was an Uber?
2: No, no. She oh,
1: was okay. a got it scammer. Got it.
2: Got it. <laughs> she just she just saw us sitting there and she thought we were a couple of patsies, you know? Oh, and you know no. what? I bet you all I bet you if both of us were tourists and we were a bit drunker, you know, maybe a little younger, we might have fallen for that. Because I'm sure loads of people fall for that shit all the time. But why? You you had cash on you. Why would you fall course, for it? Because if you're really fucking drunk and you're if you're some stupid 20, you know, all the shit people fall for, man. I mean, you know how many people I've met in my lifetime who have gotten robbed because they have followed a drug dealer out of the French Quarter to go buy weed. Like, how stupid is that?
1: Yeah, okay. Now, this, yeah. Is, this is coming from a guy who followed somebody into, not only followed, drove him. I didn't, I wasn't the driver, I was a passenger. But drove somebody outside of Fagan's to the projects back behind Brewster Boland to buy a video camera so yes I understand your hypothesis however when it comes to cabbies and money and transactions when I'm drunk I tend to be a little more I've always tended and to you're be 43 years old I, I'm <laughs> gonna revise that I've always tended to be a little more uh, on guard
2: yeah no and like I was always skeptical of I'm skeptical of everyone but not everybody is, dude. Yeah, like I okay. remember being with a buddy of mine when we were in college who was from here and there was a guy he's talking to in a quarter and he's like and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to buy something from him. And the guys like come on down here." And we and he goes one block and I'm like, staying with him cuz I don't want some shit to happen to." him. And yeah, the guys yeah. like, "Well, come another block." Uh, and I was like, "Dude, no, it stops now. Let's get the fuck out of here." Just be lucky you lost 10 bucks, right, you know? Right. Because because that's you know, but n- not everybody's as friggin' skeptical of anything, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I remember first weekend at Syracuse meeting the guy who was the big drug dealer on a floor, and he was telling me how he had just been to New Orleans that summer, and how he got ripped off the same way, you know? Where a dude dude was going to sell him drugs and took him to the ghetto, robbed him, and left him there. You, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like, but it happens to all. It happens to like friggin' people way older than us, even. You know. Like, yeah,
1: I'm trying to think what what attributes, you know, my my skepticism or or my the negativity I have towards those kind of ne'er duels. And you know, what? it might it might be Syracuse. There were there was enough panhandling. And there were enough transients to turn you off to that. Because, you know, if you don't have an experience with that, let's just use, you know, you're coming from the Midwest, you know, whatever, you're from a a rural farm town, and you get a charming vagrant, there's nobody more charming than a charming vagrant. Of course. They will talk your shoes off of you in a snowstorm.
2: And well, that's why people always fall for that shit in New Orleans. You know, y'all many freaking rubes, bastard. The city of New Orleans that are fucked up.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know. But outside of Eli, there were (laughs) there were enough.
2: Yeah, maniac,
1: pain pain in the ass homeless people that you're like, all right, enough's enough.
2: Yeah, I mean that's why those guys make a killing in Boston. All those college kids are coming from all over the country. You know, yeah. who aren't hardened to the realities of the world.
1: I forgot about Maniac.
2: <laughs> yeah, Tom, I believe his real name was. Okay. But, um, yeah, I told you that story once about Maniac. I'm sure we've talked about that on the podcast before.
1: Now, refresh my memory, because I don't... Uh, With my don't.
2: buddy Ryan Brown, who is... Uh, California he was Yeah, yeah, in San Jose. Yes. Big orange basketball fan. We had some checks exchanged today following... The, the post-mortem today, yeah, follow game. Yeah. Um, it was freshman year, and he was down there with this other guy, Mike. And they had been at friggin' Chuck's or somewhere. They might have been at Maggie's, too, or something. Um, but I went down and met him, like, late night, like on a Friday or Saturday night. And, you know, I was, like, pretty much, you know, not completely sober, but not all fucked up like these guys, you know? Um, so I go down there and meet them and Ryan's really fucked up and they're, and like all freshmen, they're sitting there and maniac is holding court with them. Cause you remember that's who the friggin' panhandlers really preyed on with a freshman, you know, cause it's like, it's all new to you. You know, these are all, you know, they're all like Joe Pesci in that movie where he plays the homeless guy in the Harvard campus. You remember that one
1: With honors, with (laughs) honors? Yes. Yes. That's how everybody is when they get to college, you know. Right.
2: <laughs> They're so accepting of the panhandlers. You know, it takes a couple of years before you see the guy all the time. It's like, all right, all right. <laughs> you know. Um. Wait, your freshman
1: year was Sutter. Uh, was Sutter's still a place?
2: No, I think it closed the year before.
1: And did Chuck's move upstairs or was it still downstairs? No, Chuck's still downstairs. Okay.
2: Sutter's still had all the artwork on the door and everything. Okay. You know, and, and you would talk about it like. Oh, you know what happened to that place? Oh, and it was like a legend. That place was like Chuck's, except with booze.
1: You know, that was always the story. You know, it was like Chuck's, except they served hard liquor. Right. Yeah. So my year, that was like freshman alley. Because yeah. Not only did they take any fake ID, uh, they were eight, they were both 18 and over. So every freshman, what a concept, <laughs> Yeah. what a concept, um, so like they would corner
2: they would yeah. corner
1: everybody you know maniac and and eli and yeah and all the panhandlers would just kind of stand there
2: yeah 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 of course because that's that's their wheelhouse man freshman <laughs> so i go down there and i'm talking and they're talking to maniac to tom because he wasn't even officially maniac yet at that point he was still called himself tom okay you know he might have just started the shtick the stick with the maniac might've been fairly new at that point, because I remember his deal was the reason he would sing maniac was because he saw how much money Eli got. And he's like, I have a talent too. I'm a musician. Yes. Yes. But all he knew was that song. We didn't even know all the song. All he knew it was maniac, maniac. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he was singing all of it, you know?
1: Right. Right. <laughs>
2: but he was a fucked up individual. Uh, and I walk out there down there and I see Ryan and Mike talking to maniac Maniac's holding court and he's telling him everything. And he's telling philosophy because nobody has knows more about life than the panhandlers. Right. You know? Right. Right. They, they're just like Joe Pesci. They're just wise people. If you only listen to them, you know, the world just doesn't, Fit to, fit to them, you know they're just misunderstood geniuses basically that's how that's all the panhandlers are um, so anyway uh he's given all this philosophy, and in that time, all of a sudden, my boy Ryan starts puking, and he's just vomiting his ass off, you know, like you know just. Urgh! And, and maniac's like, Put your finger down your throat, put your finger down your throat <laughs> and um, but he was given a greater philosophical dissertation too at the time, you know, right, um, I then when Ryan's done, he grabs the forty out of maniac's hands and he friggin takes a big swig of that to chase down the puke like how gross is that? yeah, you know, he took the maniac's drink, uh yeah. You know? Uh, and start drinking it, and um, and Maniac's like, you know, he's like, and what did I say? What did I say? Because he, he wants him to restate what he was saying about his philosophical viewpoint on the world or whatever, you know? Right. And uh, that's what he's asking about what he's saying. And uh, Ryan goes, "You told me to put my finger down my throat." <laughs> And I just thought that was the funniest fucking thing I'd ever seen in my life, man. <laughs> uh, that was great. <laughs> so I still mess with Ryan about that every now and then. You told me to put my finger down my throat. <laughs> uh, and Good that times. was great. Yeah, times. yeah. I mean, besides the fact that he drank after him. You
1: know? <laughs> right, right. That, that crosses me out.
2: I was like, oh, oh, he's grabbing his fucking 40.
1: (laughs) He always had a
2: 40 or something wrapped up in a brown paper bag, you know? Right.
1: (laughs) Hey, so I was just, as you were uh, conjuring up memories of of Syracuse panhandlers, uh, Eli is not in that, is not in that class, right? I would say, you know, Eli is a, is, is he was more of a street musician, right? He had a legit. I was still... Skill. Yeah, but the reason he was on the street was because he was a heroin junkie. Well, he went to rehab in 2012. Oh, he's still alive? I thought he died. He's still alive. Well, okay, maybe. I don't know. In September 11th... No, I don't know. I mean,
2: 2012
1: is recent. 2016, there was a benefit concert, An Evening with Eli and Friends. Um. In which he had a concert at the Westcott Theater, which oh, okay. must be uh, right over by like Sabastino's, right?
2: You ever went to a movie at the Westcott Theater? No. Oh, I saw Goodwill Hunting there. I saw the wedding singer there. <laughs> it was a cool place.
1: Um, yeah, it looks like uh, it was a $5, well, $5 dollar entry see, so. fee. Yeah, 2012. He we went to inpatient rehab. Yeah, so, of course. He was on the streets. He he was a he he was a street person, and
2: he had a family and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the problem. Was he was a friggin' junkie? That was the issue. Like he could have. That was why he you he used to sleep upstairs uh, outside of like basically John Della's office. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember one night. When I was all fucked up, I somehow ended up sleeping up there, because <laughs> I climbed up there, you know, because I was all discombobulated, and uh, it was probably like four or five in the morning. And he walked down in the Fagans, and I think guy must have been there knocked on door, and like, "What's up, Eli?" He and he's like, "Liv is sleeping out there," because <laughs> <laughs> I was in a spot. <laughs> right, right.
1: You can't even give the poor homeless man a break.
2: Yeah, I probably went up there just to like hide, you know.
1: Right, <laughs> right, right. right.
2: You know, um, when you're so fucked up, and you, you know, you just gotta leave, you know. Uh,
1: yes, very much so. Except uh, you didn't have to hide the keys under the under the doormat, so you were free. Bed. You were free to do so. Bed. Yeah. So so, um, sa- so Saturday comes. You? Here's what I got from Saturday. Was that Brian um, ruined your your entire Saturday? <laughs> that's what that's what I got from no, from, from your recap. An inaccurate. He caused he caused you guys to not make it to the. Uh, no,
2: no, no, not at to, all. To, I felt really bad for Brian for that. You know, because he's like, I really. Uh, so next day we did a few things, but next day we went and got we went to Bayou Beer Garden the next day cuz they were doing crawfish there. I was like, "Well, you got to get crawfish." So I got in touch uh I told a buddy of mine he met us out there and we had a few beers and ate some crawfish, you know. Which is uh, funny
1: because when you got crawfish, I associate one of your friends, one friend with crawfish, Gagne. Yeah, that's who we were with. And when you sent me that uh when you sent me that picture I was like, "Oh, I wonder if he's with Gagne." And sure enough,
2: yeah, with Gagne. Despite <laughs> so Gagne with crawfish, but yeah. I yeah. I mean, he usually cooks it. If we have, uh, well, I mean, I haven't had crawfish, or I haven't haven't been as many crawfish boils as back in the day. But you know, he was always integral
1: to that. You know, well, our, one of always eat it. One of our most. Uh, one of our most popular episodes is uh, Two sorry Seersuckers, uh, where you go to the wedding uh, of the brothers down in uh, – where is it? Up in Baltimore-ish area. Oh, B- yeah, the
2: sislin Boys. Yes. The, the, the B- Boltman wedding. It was – yes. And it was the next year when I went back. That's – it's a year later when I went back and they were boiling crawfish I had to call Gagne on – you know, because I knew they were doing it wrong.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Essentially, you <laughs> save the crawfish boil through your connections with Ganya. You went shopping for the ingredients to throw into the boil. It was my own knowledge there. Yes. You know,
2: but, but when I got there, I'm like, and they're starting to boil. I'm like, they're not doing this right. It's like, it's like. You know, I know they're not doing it right. Let me let me call Gagne just to make sure of what we're supposed to do because I know he definitely knows exactly what to fucking do. Right. You know, as far as like, the, you know, because you just don't boil it and throw it out. You gotta like let it steep for a little, soak for a bit. You know, it's a process. Yes, you know? Of course. It's of course. You need to know what you're doing, and it's like. I don't know exactly what they're doing, what what I'm doing, but I know
1: they don't know what they're doing. Right, right. <laughs> you you know enough to know they know nothing.
2: Yeah, but had I not been there, they would have had a way more boring crawfish boil because I was the one, because they wouldn't have gone and got all that shit to throw into the boil. You know, yeah. well, like, I'm gonna almonds and all that stuff like the stuff that you kind of need in it to give it flavor. You know,
1: so I'm going to. Um... I'm gonna order some, some crawfish and have a crawfish boil here at some point uh before the season's over. Um and I'm gonna tap into your knowledge as well as your relationship with Gagne to 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 get me <laughs> off on the right foot. So be prepared. <laughs>
2: okay. Right. Are you serious or are you just joking?
1: No, I'm serious, because I have a big thirty quart pot or whatever, whatever the big pot okay. is. Um so you figure, got the big old burner and all that. I got the big old burner. I got the whole deal, and I only use it to to, to cook a turkey once a year. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So now that I have the smoker, I'm gonna try to be uh, I'm gonna try to be a little more active uh, during the summer on the weekends. I'm I'm trying to take the the whole month of July off. Okay. So I want to have you know my family come over a couple times. You know, uh, during during the summer on Sundays or whatever and go to the beach and come back and either eat some smoked food or 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 boil up some something and obviously crawfish fits the bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um Yeah, all right. oh, that's
2: cool. I mean the guy that they they bought it from a guy the guy they got it from when they were in Maryland was down in Raceland, which is in Charabone Parish, which is where Ganya is actually from, and he had like instructions with it, but it's, but it's not that simple when you've never done it before, you know. Right. You know, like the instructions the guy had included. Yep. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um. It wasn't basically like. You know, it's sort of like taking account that you kinda of have a clue what you're doing, you know? Yeah. You know, when you see instructions like that, it's like,
1: well, yeah, this is if you know what you're doing already. Right. <laughs> You've done all the prep work, you know, you have all the tools and the ingredients ready to go. This is just, yeah. you know, like steps three through ten.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so back
1: back to your visit with BP. You uh you get through Saturday. You get through yeah, Saturday.
2: Yeah, and then Sunday, you know. You're yeah, on your
1: we, crawfish boil.
2: Yeah, Sunday we took it easy. We went and ate crawfish out there at the beer garden just because, you know, I want him to try crawfish. And plus, I love crawfish. And the day before, probably wouldn't even have gone there, if not the day before, while we were sitting at Parkway, Mari comes up and she's like, oh, you remember this guy? And it was this little guy named Derek who... Who, uh, well, a little guy. He's an adult now. He's like a 30-something-year-old <laughs> kid. But the last time I'd seen him, he was probably seven years old, you know?
0: Okay. And he
2: was the little brother of a good friend of my sister. My mom used to watch kids before school, you know? Okay. And, it was, and he used to come over all in the morning. It's like when I was in high school and he was like a friggin' first grader or some shit, you know? Right. And he's like, oh, well, you sh- uh, you know, and he's like, oh, did you drink? Tr- Good crawfish here, because he's shooting a bull. And uh, he's like, well, we have crawfish there. You should come and get it. I was like, oh, all right. So that's why we went there the next day to get – that's why I planted plant the seed to go there the next day, you know.
0: Got Which it. was
2: good, because it was a good wine town type of easy thing to do, you know, like from the – because from the night before when you're out to 5 in the morning, you know.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: Um, And we got home – We'd play enough time, like at three something. We'd play enough time to like relax a little bit, then take showers. And the game was for I think seven o'clock, might have been the game. And um, so we left here at five uh, to to get down there, and uh, just because, and we're like make sure. First thing we w- we did was we went to the will call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we're not going to fuck it up tonight, you know. Right. First, That's why we left early enough to get to the will call, go around, if we wanted to do something else before the game, we could do it, and at least we had the fucking tickets, you know. Of course. So we did that, and uh, Ryan's like, you got to give him hell when you get up there. But I'm not really gonna give these people business,
1: the business over that shit, you know? Because what's it? What what good is it? You know? One, they don't care. Two, it's yeah, not exactly. gonna it's not gonna bring back the slam dunk.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, the lady's like, I was like, yeah, we came by here last night, but they closed it on. And she's like, oh, that's too bad. She's mm-hmm. like, I mean, tickets. I was like, two, but it's probably four actually because of that. <laughs> she's like, okay. She gave it to us, and of course, you know. The slam dunk tickets were in there. The game tickets were in there. And now that I think back about it, like when I thought about it a couple of days after, I was like, you know, the truth is, had we gotten those tickets, had to hold on to the all-star game tickets while we were getting fucked up the night before, we might have lost the all-star game tickets. It was way better being at the all-star game than it is the slam dunk contest.
1: So where, where, what kind of seats do you get for something like that?
2: The seats we had were actually pretty good. They were 300 level. Okay. But they were um but they were the first level of the 300 level. Like if you walk out, 300 obviously is the top level of the arena, you know? Yeah. But if you walk out, there's like three rows that are right down there, you know? Understood. Now, you know, Understood. like when you go to an arena yep. and and those they were good tickets cuz they were like center court basically. You know, at that level. And um, so we walked right out there, and they were good seats. And uh, I know because we had to get tickets for – Duff got a ticket for my brother, and I had to wait for my brother to come down. I had to wait for Duff to get the arena and give me the ticket. And our tickets were 331, I guess they were. Yeah that's, right. yeah, that's
1: dead center. Oh wait, three thirty one. Okay, that's a little yeah. off center, but yeah. To my brother,
2: um, cause I got, I got to talk to him because I got tickets here, but I kind of all right. I guess yeah. needs to BP. Um, yeah, it was like right there, man. Three thirty one, row thirteen. No, three thirty one. That's my brother's ticket, row two.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah close yes, to the aisle
2: good seats yeah yeah those are good seats because thing is if you go up up the next level where you got to turn around and walk up the stairs when you come out of the entrance yeah the the price on the ticket drops by 150 bucks
1: oh holy shit and
2: yeah so those tickets were face value 500 the other ones uh above it were 350 you know yep. so that that just tells you, obviously, they know it's a good seat. Like it would be like a seat. Like if you went to a game, you wouldn't be disappointed with those seats, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the online interactive map, and yeah, uh, those are good enough.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're better than the ones that we got the other times, you know. So I was very happy with them. Um, but I mean, we didn't even we sat there. Thing is, we watched the whole beginning, Uh, or I did, you know, because the Roots played. Brian and I watched, you know, because that's what you want to go there for, all that spectacle, you know?
1: Yeah, the introductions. The court game
2: stuff, yes. The introductions, all that stuff. And uh, the Roots were playing. DJ Jazzy Jeff was out there with um, uh, Who was it? Uh, was it DMC? Uh, yeah, DMC was out there, you know? And it's like, that's what you want to see. All that stuff in the introductions all that. That's the cool stuff, you know? Uh, and then, you know, while it, the game began, I had to go... Because the game's not even... You know, it's it's, it's not even like watching a scrimmage. It's like watching a bunch of dudes just
1: fucking around. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's There's not... There's zero def- Zero defense.
2: Yeah. It's totally just fucking around. Like, seeing if you can... Like... Like, LeBron did do this at one at one point when I watched where he threw the ball off the backboard and came and dunked it. You know, like, shit, you would never see in the actual right, game right, unless right, it's garbage right. time. You know? At, like, one point, dude tried to bounce the ball over the other guy, over the defender's head to dunk it, but he didn't get high enough. You know, like, they're just fucking around. You know, dude's taking 40-foot shots for the fuck of it. You know? So, like, you're not there for the game. You know, so which was fine because I had to go meet Tough Call because he got in late, and I had to get the ticket. And I had to meet my brother at the door to hand him a ticket so he could get in the arena. You know. Um, so anyway, um, we uh, we did that then. Sat there. We took after I uh, told Duff, yeah, we'll meet you at the end of halftime because I want, want to see the halftime show too because that's cool because it was John Legend, you know. Okay, so is it, he from like, New Orleans? No, 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 but um, John, Bati- <coughs> excuse me, John Batista, Stephen Colbert's band leader, dude, and he was the one that did the national anthem, so that was kind of cool, you know. Uh, John Legend, he might be from Chicago. I'm not sure where he's from, or maybe that's common. He's from Chicago. I
1: don't know. Uh, I believe Chance the Rapper is from Chicago. Chance the Rapper is definitely from Chicago.
0: Yeah.
1: Let's see. John Legend is from Springfield, Ohio. Oh, okay. Alma mater is a university of Pennsylvania. He's a Quaker. Like my dad. Oh, your dad went to Penn? Yeah. Yep. Oh,
0: okay.
2: Cool. Yeah, Commons from Chicago. Okay. I used to always get those two mixed up because I don't know much about rap and contemporary music, and they were coming up at the same time. And this kid I worked with in Boston loved both of them. (laughs) I'm not out of touch with all this shit. Right. I'm more familiar with Common's acting because I saw him in John Wick 2 a couple of weeks ago than I am with anything that he sings. Okay, all
1: right, fair enough. <laughs> I, can tell,
2: I, I can name at least one movie he's been in. I can't name you at least one song he's sung. Right. <laughs> uh, so anyway... Um, so we went down at Duff and, you know, by that point you're pretty drunk, you know? And, you know, and then we went, my brother PP and I went to the little area where you can make your own, they had this thing set up by Panini, you know, you know, the Panini they make those sticker books. You remember those type of things when you were little?
1: Yeah, 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 yes.
2: So they had this thing where it was like, you can be your own, uh, basketball card, you know, and they were giving out cards and stuff. you take a picture and they superimpose it and they email it to you. So we were there hanging out for a while and they had some cute girls running it. So we were talking to them like, you know, they were like 20-something-year-old girls. Um, and then I'm, I'm chit-chatting with some other dude, some other spectator, you know, and, and uh, you know, tell them all about, you know, oh, in Syracuse showing us, showing pictures of us hanging out with Jim Beheim and Beheim's. Uh his wife and sister in law and Mike Tarico and all this shit. He's like, Man, you really love Syracuse, huh? I'm like <laughs> I was like, Yeah, man, I played orange. And um uh, and then and I was like, uh right. he's like, What's your name, man? I'm like, man, I'm like, What's your name? He told me his name I was like, Where are you from? He's like, Atlanta. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Cause we're like a couple weeks removed from that debacle at that point. Right. You know. Plus, the fact he's in New Orleans, you're going to get grief for it here, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the girls were like, well, we want to get a picture of the three of us, you know? And she's like, well, well, let's do it in front of that, that thing, you know? And, you know, they got those, like, uh, backgrounds, that say, all-star game and stuff for you to take pictures in front of.
1: Yes, they're called a step and repeat, which is a little weird, but okay, that's what those are called.
2: Yeah, well, we go over there, and the one that was the one that's classic, like pictures, with all the little logos over it. All kinds of people are taking pictures in front. Of it. So we stand this one with the big logo, which kind of sucks because I saw the picture later. And you really can't see that it's the all-star thing behind it, you know, because it's the huge logo. Yep. And we're just basically blocking it, the three of us. But I give her my phone. I was like, here, take a picture with this one. And we start walking over there. And as we're walking over there. Uh, right as we start walking over there, I see this tall guy, another guy talking, and I'm like, I'm like, that's Craig Robinson, and he, and he, and they're like, who? Yeah, you know, all three of them. You know, the girl, Ryan, whatever. I was like, he was the coach at Oregon State and in Princeton, which was a scrub. He was a coach at Brown. He played at Princeton. You know. Okay. Uh and and he's so happy. He's like, yeah, I'm Craig Robinson. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, you "Coached Oregon State, right?" He's like, "Yeah, man." And I'm like, "Oh, all right." And he's like, "What?" And he was very nice to me. He's like, "What's your name?" I'm like, "Matt." And he's like, "Oh, nice to meet you." I was like, "Let's get a picture." And he's like, "All right, yeah, let's get a picture." So he took a picture, and I'm like, "I was like, all right, well, nice meeting." I'm like, "What are you doing now?" He's like, "Oh, I work for the Bucks, you know." And I googled it later. He was named like a vice president of like player development or whatever at back in August for the Bucks. And as we walk away. And I made a point not to say this to the guy because you don't want to embarrass him, you know. Yeah. I'm like, that's Michelle Obama's brother, you know? <laughs> and they're like, what? I was like, yeah, that's friggin' the brother-in-law of friggin' Obama. How crazy is that, you know? And like, uh, and <laughs> so anyway, we go take the picture, and then we like, let's go get beers. Then we then we learn that the beer booths were cut off because it was probably the fourth quarter at this point, you know? Right. Uh, we hadn't watched anything we left at it when John Legend finished playing, we hadn't seen anything since, you know. So like, well fuck that, we're leaving. I was like, well I gotta tell every I was like, I gotta tell all the black people that Obama's brother in law's in there. <laughs> Cause nobody knows who the fuck he is. You know? 'Cause you know if people would have known who he was He wouldn't have been able, like, especially like all the people working at the Dome, which is largely African-American on top of it, you know, people would have been gone up and talking to him if they knew that was the brother-in-law of the fucking
1: ex-president, you know?
2: You think so? Yes, definitely, dude.
1: Okay. I have a similar experience. My contracts professor, first year of law school, was Madeline Albright's. Son-in-law. Okay. But I didn't feel any more connected to Madeleine Albright because, and I knew this guy intimately.
2: Well, I'm not saying you would, and I don't feel any more connected because of it. What I'm saying is Obama, like, if you took a poll of, I mean, let's be honest, you took a poll of African-Americans, their approval of Obama would probably be 99%. OK, don't you think he's a transformative figure and I'm like amongst white people, he's probably got a 50 percent approval rate. And I say that because there's obviously another 50 percent of white people that don't like him. <laughs> right. Or forty forty
1: six. 40,
2: 46. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but amongst like friggin uh, Democrat Party members, he's probably got. White Democratic Party members, he probably has an eighty percent rating. You know, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So like, like he's a pretty big deal, and Michelle Obama's probably got a hundred percent rating. Uh, you know, and probably a higher rating than Barack with white Democrats. You know, okay, all right. So, Here's
1: you're right. Here's where I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to contradict myself. Okay, uh, Julie Beheim's sister. Yay. Julie Beheim's Julie Beheim's sister. I <laughs> hold her, and the fact that we've met her and have a visual evidence of meeting her, like we met Michelle Obama's brother. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Yeah. I, now I buy in. It just took me a minute. It took me a minute. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I'm sure people, if people knew that they could talk to somebody who's that close to the president in the First Lady, they would have been mobbing his ass. People would have wanted to take pictures with him constantly. So, I mean, Don't you think, just like we wanted to take pictures with Julie yeah. Beheim and her sister.
1: You're right. You're right. You totally you totally got yeah. me on board. But you know who I'd be... Or
2: Pat McNamara's brother. Let's put that... I mean, Jerry McNamara's brother, Pat. That's even a better one because Jerry wasn't even there and we still took pictures
1: with him. <laughs> Both of whom we hold in higher esteem than Billy I was
2: looking at that picture the other day because I was telling somebody about how pissed off he was. Because you remember his buddies were getting turned down from the bar. They couldn't get in. And we're like, hey, will you take a picture with us? And he's so (laughs) pissed off looking at the picture.
1: (laughs) Um, So, not only, so he's brother in law with the president, which obviously means he's, you know, he's shared Thanksgiving. Dinners with him and hung out, but Definitely slept in the White House a few times. What I find to be most impressive is I bet he's played golf with the president.
2: Oh, I'm sure he has. And he's played basketball with the
1: president. Oh, well that's on his turf. Do you know what I mean? Like
2: Yeah, but you know, Obama's known for playing basketball too. Yeah, right? yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure he schooled him.
2: Uh, he probably lets him freaking <laughs> <laughs> I mean he did play he he played at Princeton, at Princeton. So he played high level
1: basketball, you know? In the um, in the Princeton heyday.
2: Yeah, he was there from I think 79 to 82, I think it's listed as or something.
1: Yeah. So they went to the tournament in 81 and 83.
2: Yeah, he was there with Pete
1: Carril, you know? Yeah. Um <laughs> Hey, relax. Come on. What are you barking at? You can't even see anything. Hey, come here. Doing a podcast here. Talking about Pete and He's probably still technically...
2: He's probably still a better golfer than Obama technically though. Because you know, a lot of those athletes are just... You know... Well, here's pretty good at sports in general.
1: One, right. One, they understand their body. Yeah. And two, they hit a ton. And and like if you have some control over your muscles and you have that level of strength and size, you're gonna be good at golf. You know? Yep. And if the ones Like that- I don't
2: think Bark funny thing is, I have the T V on right here and Modern Families on and apparently Charles Barkley has a cameo in this episode, I guess well. Like Barkley is terrible. Like you ever watch him? Like yes. he's got that. Herbal friggin' swing. But like I hear stories like I think Jim Beheim is pretty good. I mean, I think he actually coached a golf team at one time at Syracuse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys, Michael Jordan's not bad, you know? Yeah. You you're able to be. That's another thing. Yeah. You're able to take instruction, too, when you're an athlete.
1: And you're super competitive. So you're not going to lose
2: yeah yeah and you but you understand you know that type of stuff you you know as opposed to like a guy just off the street you know like I probably wouldn't be well I know I'm not good, too good at golf, but you know I'm not disciplined enough to to get any better at it either you know right 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 <laughs> like an- like an athlete who's single
1: minded about stuff you know um all right so you guys you guys leave the the so we walked out of there Star but game. i'm telling them
2: and I, I walk up to one guy security guy out there and i was like
1: you know he's one of the guys
2: in the yellow the yellow jackets you know at every event you know they got the yellow jacket guys yeah you know the the button-up ones that say like event staff on the back he's out there i'm like i was like man i was like michelle obama's brothers in there he's like ah, laughing at me thinking i'm joking i was like No, dude, he really is. I was like, look, that's Michelle Obama's brother. He's like, yeah, right. I was like, (laughs) it is. His name's Craig Robinson. You know, he used to coach Oregon State. I was like, look at him. He looks just like her. He's like, really? I was like, yeah, man.
1: (laughs) He really does look just like her.
2: (laughs) And then I walked on and I didn't tell another damn person. (laughs) (laughs) You
1: did your duty. He did I was
2: like, well, I told one guy, I was like, maybe, I was like, I was like, he's right in there if you want to go see him. But poor bastard probably couldn't leave his spot, because he's, he's right outside the gates, right outside the door, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, he's, right. He's not even inside the arena, he can't even, like, wander off 100 feet to the... <laughs> it's like, he's got that job where he's got to watch everybody coming out, making sure they're, like, not... Leaving with booze or stealing shit or something, you know. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay. I was like, all right. Well, that that's over. I'm not gonna be uh, proselytizing and disseminating the information of where he is. But but whatever the case is, he was very nice, and he was. And I never did vote for Obama, and I probably never will vote for any obamas as long as they preach the political philosophy they do because i disagree with them but but craig robinson the brother-in-law of barack obama and the brother of michelle obama is a really good dude i give him two thumbs up
1: there you go there you go this message paid for by craig robinson for a better america
2: yep and I hope he succeeds in the new job because he wasn't really that much, that great of a
1: coach. No, his career head coaching record is 123-132. Uh, he got the job at Oregon State with a 500 record at Brown. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think there's two issues there. One, it was sort of like how when crappy coaches from Vanderbilt would get like Jerry Donardo that was LSU's coach before Nick Saban he got the LSU job cuz he went like 5 and 6 at Vanderbilt or something <laughs> and it's one of those places that sucks so bad that if you do that you must be if you win 5 games you must be pretty good so i think brown
1: was one of those jobs
2: and the other issue was i think it had a lot to do with the fact that he was
1: in the obama family well did oregon state have some problems that they needed cleaned up back then. I don't think they did. They just been have a struggling program ever since
2: Gary Payton left. You know.
1: Yeah, right. Which is
2: we're talking thirty almost thirty years ago at this point. You know, twenty five years ago, like, and th- they had an old coach that was there forever, and they used to be a very successful program. I think his name was Ralph Miller, maybe. But um, but I think part of that was. Craig Robinson, it's like he won some games at Brown. All right, he could probably do something. And and you're probably also thinking, if we have the, you know, we probably get some good recruits in. Because you you would think that would be a very good recruiting pitch, right?
1: Right, I guess, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like when Houston, University of Houston, I know he played there, but he had no coaching experience. He retired from the NBA, and he – and Clyde Drexler became the head coach at Houston. They're thinking, well, we'll be able to get whoever we want, you know? And yeah. he really wasn't that great of a coach.
1: Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like Chris Mullen at uh, St. John's.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't even coach, Mullen. He's no. just the uh, face. He's got a whole coaching staff to coach. Yeah.
1: yeah. Which, which means they've had two coaches. Their last two coaches have been coaches who haven't coached because Steve Lavin – was not. Well, he was constantly sick too. A very good ex-Nose coach. He was a. Yeah. He was a recruiter.
2: Yeah, um, but do you remember he was also. He was always like he. He had a lot of health problems the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, Steve, I do remember that. Right, he had to take some time yeah. off. He had to take some time off. Yeah,
2: he's a better commentator than he is a coach. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I. I think he always has been. I think that he. Right, he rode the tail. Uh, the coattails of Jim Herrick at UCLA, right? He yeah. inherited a yeah. a totally bogus team, yeah, scandal. scandal-ridden team that was talent-laden, and, and he rode that for a couple years and then was kind of yeah. exposed.
2: I mean, there's a lot of guys who are just better, you know, who weren't great coaches. Dick Vitale was a mediocre coach, better on that. Bill Raftery, thank God he was a med- mediocre coach. Yeah. He's the best voice in ba- college basketball, man. Yeah. Or if you want to, does he still do the Nets games too? No, no. Uh, okay. Because I remember when I was at Syracuse, you know, we used to get <coughs> those networks, you know, and, and I was like, oh, this is great. I hate the Nets, but I love Bill Raftery.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's good. That's true. But he was one of the, uh, it, he, few people remember that, is that he was a head coach at Seton Hall and he was one of the founding yeah. fathers of the Big East
2: yep yep yeah he he was great, he still is great, you know, but he was never really much and he always makes jokes about his terrible coach and all the people that would beat him, you know because they were they were like a middling team, you know
1: uh there's a funny um the the one of the guys I do work with he's a video uh producer, and he does i uh, remember uh Len Berman spanning the world you ever yes see that? yes he's yeah, the he he's the producer. Uh, behind that, so he does all the editing and and uh, um, and production of that particular segment. And apparently, sometime along the uh, along the way, he did. He's a Seton Hall grad, so he got this project to do Your some. Type, well, my buddy, yeah, yeah. He uh, some project to highlight uh, Bill Raftery. Okay, and it's an interview with him and his wife who. Like God bless these coaches because um their wives stay very attractive. <laughs> 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 and for however old she is, she's gotta be in her she's gotta be in her seventies at this point. So maybe it's a couple years ago and she's in her late sixties, early seventies. She looks great. And they're both very charismatic and and they're telling this story about how um I don't it's either a big recruit or uh or some type of booster is coming over. And she's yeah. she's she's telling the story, and she's very endearing in, in the in the telling of the story. And she said, she says, I'm Irish. I don't know how to cook anything, let alone Italian food. So I go out and I buy a jar of ragu, and I, you know, I put it in the pan, and I put some onions in it, and you know, I try to doctor it up before he comes. I throw the, I throw the the jar away so he doesn't see it, and I serve him this meal, and he's eating it, and I'm so excited, and and he, you know, he's we fooled him we did it and at the end of the uh at the end of the night they think they get away with it and on the way out he says Oh guys thanks for dinner and miss raff i'll tell you what you do more with ragu than anybody else i've ever met <laughs> <laughs> nice
2: uh, so yeah he who is it oh when i was watching a game earlier this season it was like one of these uh I don't know if it was one of the CBS games because you know the CBS games, he also does the Big East games. Yes. For, for like Fox and stuff. It might have been. A, it, I think it was one of the CBS games earlier this year. And I'm listening and, and I'm just doing stuff around the house. And I have it on. And a story comes out where he talks about how he used to be. He was buddies with Andre the Giant. Because cause you know how he go after he's a drinker? Yes. He used to hang out the same bar that friggin' Andre the Giant was a regular at. No shit. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck, this guy's saying it on national television. I think the other guy doing the game with him I was like, Really? I never knew you knew Andre the Giants.
1: <laughs> That's great. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. What's that? I wouldn't put it past him. That's the exact yeah, kind he... of story I'd expect.
2: Yep. Like yeah, and you know he likes to, you know he always they always make light of his drinking. You know Jay Billis would always make light of his drinking. You know yeah. And uh, I remember once he was doing a game, and it was uh when when uh Utah was good, you know, and uh, who was the guy there in Utah? Hanno Metala. Okay. Uh, and what was that guy's name? The Utah basketball coach that died. Majeris. Yeah, Rick Majeris. He was talking about um uh, when Majeris had to go recruit Hanno Metalla, He was Finnish. And uh you know, it's just funny the stuff they say on TV cuz you apparently they they're probably told not to like explicitly talk about drinking, mm-hmm. you know. Like you can't say, "Oh, they're getting bombed, they're getting wasted every sucking." Yeah, and Rick told me, you know, he went over there and you know, it's a custom uh, in Finland, so he had to have a few beverages with him. You know? <laughs> he was basically telling a story about how Rick Majerus basically had get had to get drunk with his family to get him to come to Utah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but they just referred to it as like, yeah, he had to have a few beverages, you know, because I'll never say explicitly that, you know, oh, they were getting bombed, you know, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> Uh and Ometala. Yeah. So the weekend was a success. That night, oh, so we left the game, you know, and back to that story. <laughs> so we leave the game and we're like, we're gonna go to Frenchman Street, which is in the Marony, which is opposite of the quarter, literally right next to the quarter, you know? Okay. Yeah. Like you cross Esplanade and you're in the Marony. Got it. Uh Esplanades where Port-a-Cal is. So, um, so, cause Pat's like, we're going to go there tonight, you know, cause people don't want to hang out in the court. People getting sick of it. I know Pat was getting sick of the quarter, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we're like, all right, we'll go there. And he was going to be working late anyway. Cause he's working doing this thing, you know? Yep. Um, but on the way down there, we're like, well, hell let's cause we're driving. House, he's like, let's go to port a call, you know, cause uh, 'Cause Brian does like Porto Call, so we went in there and ate, you know, at Porto Call. My brother Bri Brian and I ate in there. Then we went down to friggin' Frenchman Street and we probably I think we probably came home around two in the
1: morning, but we were just exhausted at that point, man. You yeah, know? it's the that that the last day of a long weekend where you're you're clearly drunk, but you're more tired than anything. Yeah.
2: Yep. So, and I knew the next day, you know, I had to drop Brian off at the airport around 1030 because his flight was at noon. Um, you know, we were, uh, so we got up, we went and had breakfast, you know, and then my sister met us where we were having breakfast to drop off a king cake for him to bring back on the plane, uh, which he was psyched about because he uh, wasn't telling Carla that she was going to give him a king cake. Um, so you surprised it? her with that. What's a king cake? King? king cakes, uh, it's a traditional cake that you eat during the Mardi Gras season. Uh, you know, you start, Mardi Gras season begins on January 6th, the Epiphany, AKA King's Day. Yeah. Hence King cake, you know? And, um, my favorite is this place called Manny Randazzo's. So that Friday or Saturday morning, I think it was, what was, it? Mari went and she, cause you gotta go out there early in the morning, cause they're, they're bakeries out in Metairie. And you get there and there's usually like a line. She went there on Saturday to get one for us. Uh, and they bought a lo- large, but she's like, oh, it's not a big line. There's only 20 people. But if you go there, but then she went and got another one on Monday morning for him to bring back on a plane, you know?
1: Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah.
2: But like if you go out there, like, on like a Thursday or Friday in the middle of like carnival season, like anywhere from like January 6th through Mardi Gras, you know, there's like a, like, especially the first day when they start selling them, like when the season officially begins, the line will be like wrapped around the friggin' block, you know, like a hundred people or some shit, you know, got it. Get this king cake at this place. So, uh, you know, they put a little plastic baby in it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a new Orleans tradition,
1: you know, but it's a good deal.
2: You know, if you'd ever come to New Orleans, you could have King Cake.
1: Well, uh, right. If I come to New Orleans to Mardi Gras, I can have King Cake.
2: Well, if you come to run that half marathon that you are going to run here a couple of years ago. <laughs> that's in February.
1: That is in February. You're right. <laughs> You're
2: right. I was thinking about that a few weeks ago when I saw that oh, it was on Rockefeller. What's that?
1: A video about King Cake. Oh um. uh,
2: so anyway we got Brian the King Gag then I dropped you know, he was yeah, you know, he he was getting all nervous. Yeah, he's like, Well, you know, uh well you know, I think we gotta be at the airport for ten. I was like, dude, trust me, ten thirty's more than fine enough. It's New Orleans airport, man. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, it's not like going to like Logan or something like that, you know, it's small. I was like, even ten thirty's kind of early to get there for a twelve o'clock flight in my opinion. Okay. All right. <laughs> but whatever. He wanted to get there, so it's fine. Because it's better to be safe than sorry. Because they're always telling you to get there early now because of all the stupid stuff. I remember back in the day, like, getting to the airport like 15 minutes before the plane was leaving and just right. running to the plane. You know? Right, right. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. But um, but anyhow, uh, you know, he texts me. He's like... <laughs> He's like Brad Stevens and Jesse Jackson are on my flight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no shit.
2: I was like, oh, I guess Jesse Jackson was here for the All Star game. But <laughs> why? I wonder why he's going back to Boston. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it's just weird that that's that's who was that's who he was flying <laughs> with. Yeah. Brad Stevens, I get, although I find it weird that he was on Jet Blue, but. Uh,
1: yeah, does JetBlue have like a first class or anything?
2: Yeah, I don't know. They must. They must have something now. I haven't been on JetBlue in a few years, but they must have something, you know, because then he was texted about uh, Jesse Jackson. He's got some kind of like, you know, he's got obviously flunkies doing stuff for him. <laughs> of course. Right. right. Yeah. But uh, so that was pretty funny. But then I came home. I did some. I was miserable. I'd taken off of work that day because I was like, I'm going to need to do this. I was like, I need to recover, you know, because I was like, it all starts again in two days because parades were roaring back up on Wednesday. You know, I came home. I did some work on the uh, brick patio, the brick pathway back there because I needed to, uh, I had some cement. I wanted to get in there between the, you know between the bricks to set it in you know right like, i gotta do that now because it's like i took the day off i might as well do it today and i came in and i rented john wick so that i would know what was going on john wick 2 although i think i could have seen john wick 2 without seeing the original and not been lost you know? and <laughs> <laughs> got it he kills a bunch of dudes in right. really awesome fashion <laughs> right right you know and then or you, you die, could
1: have you could have Done the smart thing and not seen John Wick too.
2: Well, I saw John Wick and I saw John Wick Two, and I didn't waste a dollar seeing any of them because they were friggin' awesome. Right. I know you hate Keanu, but I love him. You know that's our age difference showing there, man. That's our age difference. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you Fair were enough. 12
2: and Bill and & Ted's came out, you'd love Keanu, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're <laughs> right.
2: I mean, Keanu's done a shit ton of movies I would never see. And a shit ton of movies I've never seen, you know, or want to see. But I still like him, you know?
1: Yeah, which is really funny because we you and i have a lot of similar tastes and we have a lot of similarities and you know in personality and and demeanor um but there is a fine line that that re- clearly divides us on certain things and and you know comedy or or entertainment is is definitely one of them like we both skew to the same side of the universe when it comes to entertainment but within that genre Yeah we were two totally different sides of the coin, you know? Yep. Although yep. I will uh I will give you some credit here. I just started watching Bob's burgers. <laughs> 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 it's addictive, dude. <laughs> oh my god. I'll tell you what, and it, it's all of the characters. It's yeah. all of the characters. Like I want yeah. I was I was gonna tell you, I like the little girl with the with, the, with uh, the rabbit ears. With the rabbit ears. Yeah. But then I was like, wait a minute, she's she, Jean is just as funny and then I'm like yeah. Well Tina's just as funny as Jean and you know, the mother is yeah. funny. Um, it's a
2: way smarter show than I gave it
1: credit for the first couple of years it was out, you know? And and it took me a while. I still don't love I still don't love Family Guy. Yeah, well Family
2: I I'm not a huge I'll be straight with you, I'm not a biggest love. I watch Family Guy, but I don't love it as much as some other shows because I've had I've had debates with Jacob about that. Like I think a lot of Family Guy stuff is lazy and easy, you know, and, and not novel, you know, like like I think they use a lot of old done out played out jokes, you know?
1: Right. Right, but I will give it a lot more credit now than I used to when it first came yeah. out. I remember Sean Reardon used to love it and used to watch it all the time, oh. and I was like, this is garbage, and yeah. he's like, no, give it a little give it a little time, and I watched a few episodes, and I can see why people think it's funny. Yeah. I don't think it's funny, but I can appreciate why people appreciate it. Um, I think I, I mean, Bob's
2: smarter than that.
1: Oh, so much. So much. Did so. you see,
2: have you watched the Bob Day afternoon episode yet with the bank robbery?
1: No, I'm only. You like got to
2: f- get to that one, yeah, because that's the one that it's got my favorite line ever, and I couldn't believe that they were using that, even though it's Fox. I still can't believe they, um,
1: they, they used the line they used in that episode. Okay, all right, I'll get to that. I'm only like four or five episodes in, but I needed, uh, okay. s- I needed something just to kill twenty minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you watch I it had on Netflix. Yeah, watch on Netflix. You
2: know, you um, used to watch on Netflix. Do you ever are you familiar with Bill Burr?
1: Yes, and I've seen uh some of his stand-up. And I think it's kind of funny.
2: Yeah, he's got a new what well, came out January 27th. But it was recorded he recorded it, obviously, right before the presidential election because he's talking about that. But And he revisits a lot of the old routines he's done, but he always goes back to them, you know, because he's like famously misanthropic. And it's, it's right because he sits there and does shit for 10 minutes that people aren't even laughing at because they just don't even know what to make about it. Right, and he's right. done this routine before. I saw him do this one in person. Not exactly like this, but. But the same topic and it was like about one of the things he's going on about there he's talking about why um why Stalin can't get as much respect as Hitler even though he killed almost three times as many people as Hitler (laughs) (laughs) and he's giving all like this huge sports analogy and the crowd's not even laughing at most of it but he's just gotta do it you know (laughs) right right. (laughs) because that's what I think part of the thing is he's kind of too sick for like even the crowd to love everything he says. And he always does, he always does a bit about controlling, getting rid of the population, killing off. Cause I remember years ago there was one who's talking about, oh yeah, you get it down to 30,000 people. Yeah. Cause he's, he, he he's a misanthrope. And he's like, ah, oh, you know. Highways would be opening up all of a sudden. Everybody could play in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, he's gone on about. That. He's like, "Oh, I got a new idea for population control," and he's talking all about how, like, basically anybody that takes—he would start by uh, killing all people that take cruises as vacations. You know, he's like, "People that think they're traveling that take a cruise; those people need to die." <laughs> He does his whole routine about how he'd just be there, you know, in the water, you know, just waiting for the cruise ships to come out, and then he would take out the cruise ship. You know, he's like, you know, you're taking out 2,000, 3,000 people at a time, man. <laughs> uh, he, he's really good, you know. And the Michael Chase stand up on Netflix that's from that came out at the end of the year. That was a pretty good one. I watched
1: that one the other day. You know, see, I'm a bigger fan of a uh, bigger fan of like uh, Aziz Ansari. I've seen him in live. He was pretty good. Uh, uh, did I see him live? No, I saw his specials. Uh, John Mulaney. John Mulaney's funny. I've seen him live too. He uh he it's reminds big, like special 2 on there. Yeah, I've seen that. He reminds yeah. me of like a young slender fat pat. <laughs> you know? Uh, oh, young slender fat pat, nice. He's got like a, you know, a real wholesome smiley quality to him, you know, but just, just something something just beneath the surface. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um so anyway, so Bob, Bob's Burger, uh, I give yeah. You Bob's a, Burgers I, I give is a, I give funny you for that. Yeah, it's I give you for
2: It's that. way more clever than well, no. Because I was like you originally. I didn't watch that because I was like, this is garbage, you know. But once I start watching, I was like, oh, this is kind of genius. But there's a lot of stuff like that that I never like. You remember Monk? You know. Yes.
1: Yeah, with Tony Shalhoub.
2: Yeah, Monk was out for years. And it was once I started law school and I was living, you know, in my new place, uh, one day I started watching it and I was like, Oh, this show's really good. And, but of course I was like the last two seasons, it was on. <laughs> I was right. Like, right. Oh, I get into something right at the friggin' end and it's like, I'm not really going to go and, um, probably watch all the old episodes. <laughs> you
1: know? Well, see, so so I was yeah, like, I've, that was a really clever show. I've been watching, um, on netflix criminal minds you know it's okay. a, a yeah. standard procedural cop show and yep. uh it's heavy because everything's about a serial killer
2: yeah yeah yeah. that's what joe Montana right
1: yep so like after binge watching 10 seasons of that you know 45 minute episodes or whatever um you need something a little lighter yeah, to kind of balance, yeah. So I, I threw Bob's Burgers on because it was like, uh, uh, you know, Netflix. You know, they're like suggested for you. Yeah, I I like,
2: sometimes I see shit suggested for me. I'm like, why are they suggesting this crap <laughs> for me? It's stuff that I would never, stuff that I'm insulted that they're suggesting for me. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. You know, it sucks about Netflix. Um. Have you ever watched The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yes. Which I think is funny as hell. But what sucks about it is Netflix, you know, they just dump everything at once, you know, when they do their
1: shows. Here's what I think they should do with, with those type of productions is write the entire script, however many seasons they want, shoot it all, and release it all at once.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I guess problem is, you know, I mean, it's easier said than done,
1: right? Because no, you, you, know, you don't know if it's going to be a hit, so they're going to spend yes. all that money to tie up, you know. Yeah, uh, Hell, they didn't even is.
2: announce the C- they didn't even announce they would doing another season of Stranger Things till like, you know, till it finally really picked up steam, you know. Like, yeah. it was out for a while before they said, oh, well, we're definitely going to do another season yeah. of Stranger
1: Things. And you're right. Like, that's a little naive to think that, that you could pull it yeah. off. But um, that's just, to, in my opinion, would be a much better process than what they do now where you got to wait forever.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what sucks about it because I like that show a lot. And when it first came out – I probably watched the whole season in a weekend. And then when the second season came out, i probably watch it another weekend. And now it seems like it's been forever, you know? yeah. yeah. it's like, and I see it sometimes, but I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, like, oh, watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Like the other day, and this is something that Netflix does, which kills me. It says new releases and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is up there. It's like a new season came out. And I looked, I was like, oh no, it's the same one. And I'm just not going to rewatch it again. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I've seen it all. And it's a storyline. It's not like watching Seinfeld where everything's like a one-off, you know? Yes. Now, I mean, I, you could watch it as a one-off, I guess, but but it is a storyline that you follow, you know? Yeah,
1: it's not worth watching, you know? You only have yeah. so many hours in a, in, in a week.
2: Yes. Like Seinfeld, I can always watch a Seinfeld, you know? Yes. Or like New Hearts, because those come on at midnight on the... Antenna TV thing, so those are off and on as I'm going to sleep. I can always watch a Newhart, right. you know, the the innkeeper one, not the Bob Newhart show, the one from when we were kids. Uh,
1: the innkeeper, one. right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, speaking of delving old school, you know what I watched? Uh, we're getting a little uh, long in the tooth here. So yeah, was... we
2: we're getting really long. Now we're just bullshitting. Um, I mean, not that we're not bullshitting anyway, because that's the whole. Setup of our show, but
1: all right. Well, then y- you're right. You're right. Let's hold on to that. Um, all right, man. Then on then on that note, with apologies to Kirk's brother, we'll see you guys next week.
2: Good night, Fredo.